Hello, everybody, and welcome to the More Deals, More Money podcast. So this podcast is for people in property, and most times when you're in property, you're looking for one of two things. You're looking for more deals or you're looking for more investors. Well, if that's the case, then this is the show for you, because in this show, we talk to deal makers and deal funders to find out what makes deals stack. We get into the nitty gritty about deals, to what makes them work, how people found them. And every episode, I'll be delving deep with a different guest to share their knowledge. So if you like this, do please make sure you hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And just a little request here, if you get one bit of advice... For you, from the show, which you think that's oh, really good, do me a favor and please do share the show. So, today's guest is a great guy. Uh, he's been part of a team that has developed over 195 units. Um, they co own one of the biggest training companies to help people get started. And they definitely talk the talk, they walk the walk, they do what they say. Um, and that guy is Lloyd from White Box, isn't it? White Box Property Solutions, yep. Yeah, so how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm excited to uh, to be chatting to you about your favourite deal and, and to see what, um, what, it was, what it was and how it came to be. But for those listeners who don't know who you are, why don't you just give them a, a brief background of, of who you are and how it came to be that you are where you are today? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, first of all, thanks for inviting me to the podcast and thanks for everyone listening. Um, yeah, myself, Lloyd Girardi, uh, co-own sort of White Box Property Solutions uh, with my business partner, Andy Cook. Um, our kind of background, our stories, we started property investing in 2014. So not too long ago. Um, but in the time that we started, we completely threw ourselves into it. Um, and started with property development. So I know it's a strategy that a lot of people work and work up to and they do single buy to lets first or HMOs um, and then get into property developing. Um, we kind of threw ourselves right in the deep end at the beginning. Uh, and I think naivety played a good part at the beginning because we didn't know what was coming up. And I think a lot of people can talk themselves out of developments because they know too much. But when we first started, we, we I say started in 2014, we started with one site with eight units on there we built them up and we actually retained them using the build to rent strategy and again even at the time we didn't know what the build to rent was we just wanted to keep property we wanted to be investors um, and we generated a lot of interest from what we did from that and uh, such uh, as such um, since we have started teaching people how we do our developments how we got started from um, literally no money no time all that kind of thing as well and, and build up a decent portfolio in that time as well, and teach uh, teaching other people's uh, people in the process. So, um, the training company we've got is uh, very much development focused. Um, it's one of the biggest in the UK, teaching people specifically property development, um, and we absolutely love it. We, we love developing ourselves, and we love helping other people develop for themselves as well. So, um, property wise, up to I think it's about 195 units. Uh, which some are completed, some are in the pipeline, um, some are being built at the moment. But development is what we live, breathe and, and eat every day. We absolutely love it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm here to help and share our experience and hopefully it inspires other people to get involved in property development. Development's one of those things, isn't it? When it bites you, when that bug bites you, you just, you, you're in, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we started in developments and we can't go back to single buy to let so i have i've had single buy to lets but 
I can't go back to it. I just don't think it's uh, as exciting. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I love it. I, I absolutely love development. And I love, I love chasing the deal. I love being sat with vendors and chatting to them and chasing down those deals and the intricacies of them and planning. And I, I just, yeah. And I, I'm really sadistic though. I like, I like builders. I love being on site. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I'm, I quite like shoes. So I like clean, nice shoes. So I don't want to be on site at all. So, um, my business partner, he's sort of construction background. Yeah. Um, or had a building company himself. So I leave all that to him and I just, yeah, I'm the deal man. I'm, I sort of the negotiations and trying to find the sites. Um, and then in the early days, I was looking after the tenants, but uh, those days are gone now. Yeah. So tell me about your favorite deal then. Just give us the, the sort of top level information and then we'll sort of delve into to how you found it. Yeah. So the, I, we get asked this question a lot as well which uh, it's the same answer every time but the, the um, best deal we ever did uh, was the first ever deal we did um, and it's not the best deal in terms of the amount of money that we made from it it's not the best deal in terms of the deal structure itself it was just the first one and so for us doing the first one was the best because it led on to loads and loads of opportunities that we're doing now um, but we wouldn't be here without the first deal so it's always going to be uh, the first deal which I mentioned earlier that it's p- pretty much naivety that started uh, and helped us I think because we see it time and time again before where people can get into developments and, and know everything but they just talk themselves out of it at the, at the last sort of hurdle type thing so um, yeah the best deal uh, as I say is the first one which was eight units uh, it's in Northampton so we're Northampton based uh, I know the area I knew and I think that's important with developing is you know you've got to know where you're investing or where you're developing um but we knew the area and we found the plot on right move so it was actually going to auction so auction with uh, the auction house which a lot of the time they do advertise on right move so although people say there's no deals on right move there are um so we found it on right move we had probably three weeks to sort of go through due, uh, due diligence stage and do our research on the site um, and I remember sitting around Andy's table pretty much um, every single day for those three weeks, just looking at this deal and thinking, well, can we do it? And the, the question we kept asking ourselves was, can we do this deal? Can we go through sort of a development? And the reason we were at that stage and looking at developments is because I had um, previous experience. I used to work for Taylor Wimpy, so new build is what I, I liked and I enjoyed. Um, I then worked for a mortgage broker. After that, I then went to go and work uh, and sell lights. So I was, I was in the property game and out of the property game, and I just wanted to get back into it. Andy had started his own building company in 2007. And so he, in 2012-13, had just finished his own house. So he built his own house. And at that point, he was looking at taking it a bit step uh, a step further and starting to build um, more houses. So he had the bug of building houses. We sort of came together in, in 2004. Uh, 13 um as i i was the kind of lighting salesman that sold lights for his house yeah. uh, when he built it and we know each other because uh, my my wife is andy's cousin so we used to meet at family parties um and we just started talking about the next thing and i always wanted my own business and at the time i was working for someone else um and i just started talking to andy about setting up a business and starting and how you start um and from there, he was looking at property investing, and we, we kind of spoke about that. 
reason we were looking at this site, as I say, is because of that. We started looking online. We went to a three-day property seminar, which I'm sure a lot of people have been to. And we just got a little bit of education in terms of property investing. Uh, and we just put it straight into uh, development. So we got taught how to do single lets and what to do with single lets, how to, how to value them. And all we thought is it's exactly the same. We just got times by eight. There's eight houses that we're looking at, times by eight. And he's got the knowledge of the build side. So how much is it going to cost to build? And um, we basically worked all our numbers backwards to leave us with uh, an amount of money that we could buy the site for. The site itself was on for a guide price of 100 to 120,000. Yeah. And we were looking at paying about 150. That's what we worked out. So the way we worked it out was how much of those eight houses worth at the end of the development once we'd completed them. And that was based on the comparables in the area of at that time, there were two beds. So we worked out it was about 1.16 million. Um, we took off 25% profit off the GDV. So whatever that was minus uh, the 25%, what's left is what you've got for development finance and to purchase the land. And because we didn't have any money, we had to borrow all of that money. Um, so we ended up working out that we could pay about 150,000 for this, this plot. We went to the auction and it was the 19th of February, 2014. Um, remember it very well. I've got a book out that the first chapter is all about that auction because it is very, it sticks in my mind uh, a lot. Um, because that was a moment that completely, I was completely out of my comfort zone. I was nervous as hell. I said to Andy at the time, so you've got to bid on this because I am literally like bricking it. <laughs> I can't I can't even move my, my shoulder because I think I'd be bidding. So um we we ended up buying this plot at auction for £157,000. Mm -hmm. So more than what we wanted, but only just slightly. Um there's a whole new story. There's a whole story behind that, but I'm not gonna go into that on this. Um we purchased for 157000 We ended up um, developing that site out. Uh, we borrowed all the money from private investors to buy the land. And um, we had to do that within sort of 28 days. And in fact, I skipped a little bit there. We, we actually bridged the purchase. So we got bridging finance on the purchase to complete in 28 days and replace that bridging loan with private investors over the next three months. Well, um, so, so you, from that. You bridged it and then found private investors. Yeah. So obviously at auction, you've only got 28 days to complete. So you have to find the money. We found an investor for 50,000 and then we got 110,000 uh, pound bridging facility. Yep. And that basically paid the rest of the uh, purchase price off. We then had three months, well, we had six months to pay off that bridging finance. So we did it in three and we did it while borrowing sort of loans from friends, family, um, just to get this site. And so just for me, gone, sorry. Yeah. So just, I'm just going to try and get in into that sort of headspace there. So you, You've signed on this bridge. It's in, you're done, you've got it. Now it's day one of the first six months. What did yeah. that feel like? Um, well, I went back to work. <laughs> so I was, I was, I'm still full-time employed at this point. Um, but it was weird. It was surreal. Like, I remember going to stand on the site. Uh, and if you can picture it, the site was, um, it was 22 derelict ex-council garages. Um, so you, you know the kind where it's behind a load of houses, it's yeah. tucked back off the road. And we were stood on the site after purchasing it and thinking, what the hell have we done? <laughs> like, we're looking at these sites and there was um, 
it was a windy day as well, so there was leaves blown everywhere. There was cans rattling around. That the um, locals have decided that that was a good place to uh, to hang out. Um, and it was just, it was an absolute mess. And we we just looked at it, thinking we have to make this work now. And it was, yeah, I remember a very very weird feeling. Um, I actually got my, I, I got Andy to tell my mum what we'd just done because I was too scared to tell her. So um, yeah, it, it was. It was frightening, but looking back, it was it was actually a lot easier than um, we thought it was going to be. So, mm. um, yeah, obviously in, in hindsight, it's always a lot easier. Yeah, but I mean, just to be, just think, right? We've got six months. We need to raise some money. What What is the first sort of step you took? What did you think about? Um, where did you go? So the first the first thing we did is we created like um almost like a business plan. Yeah. Um, it wasn't very fancy. It was literally an Excel spreadsheet, to be honest. It wasn't even Word or anything like that. Yes. Um, and we just created this flow of what the next uh, 18 months looked like for us in the deal. So we had the money. We had to find the 157,000 or the 110 to replace the bridge. Um, and we basically set up uh, little meetings with people that we knew. I was still full-time employed, so I, I was trying to do this at weekends and in the evenings. And for me, I was 27 at the time as well, and I didn't have uh, like a, a list of people that have got a load of money. I was hanging around with people that, like myself that I was earning 1,500 quid a month. Um, so I didn't have anyone to really bounce off. I was relying on Andy a hell of a lot at the time as well. One for the track record because he's been a builder um, and built his own house. And two, because he had more, he's 10 years older than me, he had more sort of business people he, he was sort of hanging around with. So a lot of the emphasis right at the beginning of our sort of business, I suppose, was, was heavily on Andy uh, as well. So we just put this plan together, asked as many people as we could. I remember my mother-in-law put 10 grand, 12 grand in or something. Um, she knew friends as well that put something in and that kind of thing. We just told people what we're doing, but it was very much... Um, just trying to get some money on a, on a loan agreement basis but showing the end result as this is how it's going to work yeah. I think the one thing that helped us is we had uh, a plan A a plan B and a plan C um, yeah. so sort of very quickly the plan A was to complete the development refinance it with um, a commercial loan at the end uh, and pay our investors back that way the other way was to sell it and if we earned 20% of the uh, profit, then there's enough in there to pay people back. Um, the plan C is what we call it a kind of a Armageddon doomsday plan is we'll literally just fire sell, sell it at a cost, um, but make sure we pay everyone back. So there was three steps to pay people back. Um, and we just said, look, this is the way it's going to work. This is how we're looking at it. And we, I think because we were very um, clear and open of what the, what the uh, pitfalls could be and all that, um, I think people looked at it and thought, well, they have got three uh, three plans. We had about 390 grand of money to play with. So if it went drastically wrong, it had to go wrong for over 400 grand to not pay people back. Wow. Yeah, that would have been a nice... Uh, oh, yeah, amazing. So so this deals then, you replace the people... Um, you replace the money you find it from private investors, and did you get any build finance then, or to to do the build? 
Yeah, so because we borrowed the money on loans to buy the land, effectively we own the land outright. Yeah. Um, there was no, there wasn't any first charge security on the land. Um, the land initially we, we gave a lot away, so we gave about fifteen percent interest away for the first deal just to get it going, um, and that was unsecured. So friends and family. Um, to be honest, they didn't ask for security and we didn't know to ask them for security. So at that point, it was quite, um, quite good. But we could have sort of leveraged personal guarantees and um, put our house up for uh, collateral or something like that. Um, but because we own the land outright and because there's no lending on the land as such and no charge on it, we were able to get 100% development finance. Yep. So we borrowed uh, about £600,000. Uh, and it was actually borrowed from Funding Circle. So most people know as a peer-to-peer crowdfunding platform. Um, at the time, they were doing development finance, but they were only doing business finance now. Um, but back then, they were doing development finance. We borrowed all the money from day one uh, from uh, – well, not all the money from day one, but um, 100% from Funding Circle. So then they gave you your your development finance, so then you could, you could get on and, and start building. So what – so what happened during the, the build? Was there any um, was there any planning restrictions or conditions on this as well that you had to? Um, yeah, I suppose that's that's quite a key point as well. Actually, the the land didn't have planning, so we bought at auction for one hundred and seven grand without planning as well. Um, so first, yeah, one hundred and fifty seven thousand, no planning. So let's so talk me through the timeline of the uh, of the planning then. The, the one thing it did have is lapsed planning. So it had planning previously, but that was back in sort of 2008 um, and lapsed in 2012. And we picked this up in 2014. So it's, it was, um, well, 2011, well, no, sorry. Um, the lapsed planning basically was for eight units. Uh, it was for four masonettes and four flats. We basically looked at the old scheme and just made it better. So made it um eight two-bed townhouses so it's still three-story but we put a flat roof on rather than a gabled uh, gabled roof um but we knew the area and that's that's key i mentioned it earlier in the in the um in the interview that the area where you invest is key to know and understand because we knew that that area was regenerating there was a whole sort of um enterprise zone they called it in northampton and this was just on the outside of it but it was in the regeneration area um and it was an old council garage. No one was using it. It was derelict. Um, so we we spoke to the planners and just said, look, if we put this back in, is there a chance of getting planning? And they didn't tell us like upfront, yes, that's you, you should get planning. But they they gave us some sort of clues that they asked that they are looking for um, sort of houses in that area. Um, so the way we teach now is to look at the local plan as well and see if it's in an existing residential area which is if it is it's more likely to get planning as well yeah um but yeah the, the planning side of things was actually it was, it was relatively easy because of that we actually got planning granted with no objections um and very very uh, few conditions in the six and a half weeks which normally is kind of unheard of it's eight weeks kind of minimum normally yeah so now you've you've got your planning uh, everything's ready, um, and then and then you start building. So, how was the how was the construction process for you? As for me, it was a, it was a breeze. Um, I went to site six times. 
um, <laughs> purely to take photos because again I was employed at the time um, I, I didn't know anything about how to build a house I still don't really know how to build a house even though I work for Taylor Wimpy and I've done plenty of sites yeah. it's not I don't get excited about the, the thought of digging digging a load of mud up and putting cement down and, and building houses so for me I like the end product I like to see the house built um, I do like seeing them built um, but yeah the build side uh, was for me relatively easy for Andy um, it was the first development or first site he'd done as his building company yeah. um, and we, they still charge the the uh, profit that any construction company would charge as well so just if anyone's listening thinking that we did it all at cost and that's why we, we were able to do the development um, we still paid the development company or the construction company that their margin as well yeah. um, but Andy was he was off the tools at this point and that's the first site he came off the tools just to oversee his team um, and it was the, the sort of start of him growing his business as well his, his construction business so that, that was the first one where he was off the tools yeah so he was heavily involved in his house development um but then this was the first one that he kind of went to site two or three times so semi off the tools but he gave a lot of uh autonomy to some of his sort of um his team at the time so um big step for him as well um but looking back it was a great step for him to do that um yeah the, the actual site build was relatively straightforward uh, we actually developed it in sips which is uh, structural insulated panels so it's like a temporary um timber frame or contemporary timber frame um so that was actually built within we built eight houses in about seven months uh, which is quick so why did you decide to use the, the sip panels and um, just we were talking to a local developer nearby and he said the actual design of the building really would really work well with SIPs. So yeah. we just decided to go with that and say, okay, well, if that's what he says, we'll do that. Yeah. Um, he's quite a, a well-respected guy in the area um, and we respected what he said and we went through it with him um, and yeah, developed it out. So that did have complications. So in the refinancing, because we kept the properties at the end, uh, we had to go refinance. We had to go through refinancing side of things, and a lot of lenders wouldn't lend on SIPs construction. Um, so we were probably limited to about three or four at the time. But it, it, as it turned out, we were able to refinance anyway. Just we were restricted on the number of lenders we could go to. So my key to anyone, or my my advice to anyone, is just make sure you've got the exit strategy uh, or lenders lined up before you choose the uh, the kind of construction method you're going for. Yeah, I think that's a, a key point, isn't it? I know that there's like the the timber frame, whether it's open panel, closed panel, or the sit panels, they give you so much of speed. Um, but yeah, just make sure that they uh, you've got a lender lined up. I think that's a good tip there, to be honest. Um, for that, so what went? Did anything go wrong during the the build? Um, there wasn't anything drastically that went wrong. Yeah, uh, I think because I think with developments anyway, every day is there's always something that happens. There's always a challenge that you've got to um, you've got to overcome on a daily basis. It might not be every day, but it feels like it's every day. Um, and for us, because we didn't we couldn't see what was coming up because we hadn't done the developments before, we we're just living day by day by just sort of 
tackling the challenges. So I think because we were on that and we were on the challenges every single day and, and overcoming them, I don't think we had loads of issues coming up. Um, I say that because I think the people that we see that have experience, they might think, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll do that later. I know it's coming. I'll do that, deal with that later. And suddenly they, the pressure of what the challenge is will grow. Um, and that's where sometimes it can, it can hurt development or something like that. But yeah. for us, there was nothing major. I think the, the worst we had was some copper pipes were stolen on site. Um, the day they got delivered, <laughs> the, so then we put security cameras in place or uh, dummy cameras in place and security lights. We had um, we had the devil man coming around at one point because he scratched his name in the door in the, one of the composite doors. He put, "I am the devil man," um, oh. so that was that was great. <laughs> um, never met him, but he came along one night. So, yeah, strange, um, strange what people will do, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. Say it's uh, it was nice for him to visit, but um, yeah, then there was nothing really that was that stands out. There was a. It was an error. I think the the hardest thing about that development was probably the refinancing at the end, um, yeah. because it took longer than we expected. It was sort of five six months to refinance. But having done a lot of refinances since, that that is standard. How come it was? Um, it took so long, and it was so hard then. Well, partly the the SIPs panel, so we had to change lender. Um, we were going with one lender, and they suddenly like, well, it's SIPs construction, so we don't do that. So we had to go with a different lender at that point, um, which was probably about a month's worth of uh, time wasted. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was just at that time, this was sort of 2015, uh, we were kind of out of the recession or coming out of the recession at that point. So I think a lot of people were busy at that time and it just took a lot to get through. And we, we were trying to push and push and push. We had like a million pounds to pay back. Um, in fact, it was eight hundred ninety thousand pounds, eight hundred ten thousand pounds. We had to pay back actually. Um, and when you've got that amount of money, you just you're on it all the time, just to try and get that refinance done. Um, which, in the end, uh, our total spend was eight hundred ten thousand, uh, and our mortgage on seventy five percent loan to value of the site was eight hundred ninety. So we actually pulled out uh, about eighty thousand pounds. And we had a mortgage on or one mortgage on eight units, and they were valued at one point one eight million. Cool. So that's like the so the final outcome was um, eight hundred and ten spend. Yeah. And you pulled eighty grand down. Yeah, got a seventy five percent loan to value mortgage. Which anyone listening doing single buy to lets that is exactly the same as what you guys do. Is an eighty five uh, sorry seventy five percent loan to value mortgage on the asset our asset was uh, was eight units and the value of 1.18 million 75 percent of that was at 890 and that was what our mortgage was so we had a rental income of about six and a half thousand a month and the mortgage was about three thousand two hundred so a good cash flow in asset as well yeah about three thousand three hundred per month net yeah and you do you still hold those today yeah, we still hold them today, and uh, in total, I think we've had two weeks void in the lot. Um, as soon as those are empty, they get filled straight away. It's they're very, very sort of. Uh, it's right next to the train station as well, so we've got um, commuters to London uh, and all sorts. So, what was the the biggest lesson that the biggest lessons then that you learned over this development? 
Um, Lesson-wise, I think the first thing to me is that it can be done. Uh, when I first started, I was, again, I was, am I doing too much? Am I taking too big a risk? Um, am I doing something I shouldn't be doing? And can we pay people back? It was, there was a lot of what-ifs and all sorts when I started. Um, at the end, I suppose it's a positive, positive learning curve or lesson is that you, I can do it. Uh, and to me, maybe when I first started, I was skeptical in search, in, in search, but I'm also very optimistic. So I was like, yeah, we'll do it. It's absolutely fine. But it could go wrong. But um, it didn't. Things did happen. We overspent on parts and we underspent on other parts. So it's, yeah, it's very challenging. But at the end of it, it's very rewarding. So um, for us, lesson-wise, I think it's just more the positive thing that it can be done as long as you put your all into it and make sure you're on every sort of challenge that comes up, you can achieve sort of development. So you can do developments from absolute standing start. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good point and one that you know most people, well, everybody listening, should just just let that sink in. Um, what do you think it takes to be successful in property then? Uh, I think it's a, a more of a broad thing rather than just property. I think just to be successful is, is kind of a never give up attitude. Um, as soon as you give up, that's kind of when you fail. But if you don't give up, you will never fail. So um, don't get me wrong, we've had deals that haven't gone right. But if we out, outweigh them or put them against the deals we've done, we've, we've made a lot of money. So there's always deals that won't go to plan, but don't give up. There's always an exit out of them. Um, when we're borrowing money off people, we say to them, if, look, if there's any money left in the deal, we'll still pay you interest on it. We're going to pay a mortgage anyway, so we might as well pay a lender or the borrower, uh, sorry, the uh, investor, the same amount of, of interest we would pay on a mortgage. So there's always an exit. There's always negotiations to be done. It's it's not it's not as if as soon as you finish the deal, you haven't paid back it, that's it, it's gone. People are people, so you've got to deal with people as well. Um, but the more open, honest, transparent you can be with um, your investors, with your lenders, they are just people at the end of the day as well. A lot of people think it's scary and they're borrowing money and the banks can come down on them hard. Um, we've got some good friends with lenders like that. We know the CEO of a, a few bridging companies and they just they just want to know what's happening with the deal. If they know, they're not going to come down on you. But it's, it's when the people that literally the last minute when you've got to pay them back tomorrow and you tell them the site hasn't sold, that's when they're going to come down on you with. So it's, it's just got to be honest and open. And that's what me and Andy, we believe in. And that's what we do. Um, and anyone that knows us and what we do, we tell people the good and the bad. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm picking up on that point, you know, with the, with, with Bridges, they, they, you're right. They just want to know, you know, if, if, you know, they've got security over the asset, but if you engage with them, they are people um, and just, just keep in touch with them and let them know what's happening with the site. It's when you don't communicate where, when issues arise. Absolutely. As long as they just want to know they're getting their money back. And if it's going to take an extra month to pay that back, they want to know that. They don't want to be going and repossessing property and, and all that. That's not, it's not what that they do as a business. They are, they are lenders. They have to lend money to make money. So as long as they know they're getting it back, um, that's all they want to know. Mm, I agree. And um, one of the questions I really like to ask everybody is, um, what do you do to relax? 
Um, I like I like sports. Um, I, I kind of play golf, although I enjoy business. So I'm reluctant doing business as well. But um, no, for me, I like sports. I'm a very family man as well. So having or doing what I'm doing now, I've got a lot of time for my family. So um, in the mornings, I can I can spend as much time as I want. In the evenings, I can get back when I want to spend the, the time with the kids. And they're mm-hmm. at the moment they're three and four, so they're the times that people say you've got to cherish those moments. So I've made sure that at an early age, I can do that. Um, I'm a car fan as well and I'm an F1 fan and all sorts. So we've been to Monaco and we're going to Singapore this year. So it's, um, yeah, I, I kind of just enjoy, enjoy life. Um, and the, the reason I do that and one of the reasons I got into property was unfortunately in 2013, uh, I lost my dad and my granddad. Uh, and those were the two moments I thought, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to start a business. Like, I didn't know what in at that time, but I'm just going to start a business. Um, and that's when I started talking to Andy about businesses and all sorts, because I just, at that time, life for me is like, I've got to do what I've always wanted to do. Mm. Um, so I just enjoy it. I, I, yeah, I kind of uh, collect whiskey as well. Collect whiskey? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I like whiskey. So, um, yeah, it's collect whiskey. Ah, oh, interesting. I, I spend quite a lot of time um, looking at financial markets uh, and various different investments, watches, and, and different bits and bobs. And I like it. I like to hear the uh, what other people collect as well. And I think I might start wine next. Yeah, yeah. I don't know too much about the wine side, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not into watches or anything. Like that. I'm into cars, um, but not. Yeah, not watches or anything like that, but yeah, cars and whiskey. Not at the same time, obviously. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. So what is the... So I always ask this question to people. What What's the book that you wish, as soon as you've finished reading it, you could completely forget the whole book so that you could enjoy the magic of that book again? I might be a bit biased here. Oh, um, it's <laughs> But I'd say my book. No, no, no. Um, I'll drop it in there, but it's property development. So it's all about our journey. But it's the book itself, the best book I've ever written, not, not written, ever read, um, was Money. Uh, uh, it was, no, sorry, it's the, um, it's that good. I forgot the title now, but um, Mindset of Money. Um, it's not actually that. It's Claudia Hammond that wrote it. Um, Mind Over Money. Sorry, that's it. Mind Over Money by Claudia Hammond and it's all the psychological things about money so you ask one person what what's a lot of money they might say two million quid you ask them, the same person what's a lot of money they might say 200 quid but yeah. because they're in different at same time same a day same minute of the, of the year and all sorts but just because they're in a different sort of zone or they think about money in a different way they perceive money in a different way that's very interesting. That is very interesting. I love that. I love how people, their perceptions of money and what you can do with it, etc. People fascinate me anyway. Um, I just, I love to observe them and listen to yeah, what they use. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that book relates to developments a lot. Yeah. Because when we talk to people that are doing single buy to lets, it's no different to doing a development it's just an extra zero on the end, but they see the extra zero and they, they run for the hill sometimes and they think, Oh, I can't do that. But 
to someone else that hasn't done single buy to lets to speak to the person doing single buy to lets to them that's scary so it's all it's all perception like if, as long as you know what you're doing and you can sort of plan it out and adapt as you go um money shouldn't scare people mm-hmm. i agree and i think that's a fantastic place to to sort of to leave the podcast um, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing that deal with us and some of the learnings you've made. If if people want to get in touch with you, find out more about you, where is the best place for them to find out? Um, we've got a lot of free content on YouTube. So YouTube channel is White Box Property Solutions. Uh, we're on Instagram. There's a few photos and all sorts on there. Um, but White Box Property Solutions, if you want to go on the website, it's whiteboxps.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty friendly. So yeah, if you want to sort of get in contact and let me know you've listened to this, um, yeah, I'd be delighted to have a chat with you and, and talk to you about property development. Fantastic. Lloyd, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Thank you very much.